You're listening to a message from Micaiah Ermler, lead pastor of Southridge Church in San Jose, California. This week's awesome message will start in a few seconds. But first, we hope you will stay connected with Southridge by liking us on Facebook or by following us on Instagram and Twitter. Search for the handle at Southridge Now and click the follow button so you can receive uplifting, encouraging content right in your feed. Thanks again for listening. And now, here is Pastor Micaiah. living hope. As we continue to worship this morning, I want to read from Psalm 46 verses 1 to 3. It says, God is our refuge and strength, a very present help in trouble. Therefore, we will not fear, though the earth gives way, though the mountains be moved into the heart of the sea, though its waters roar and foam, though the mountains tremble at its swelling. Well, welcome and good morning once again. I want to thank you for being here. Thank you for standing. You may be seated. What a, just a wonderful time of worshiping together in God's place. We're grateful that you're here. If this is your first time at Southridge, let me be the first to welcome you. My name is Bakaya Irma. I'm the pastor here at Southridge. And if this is your first time at our hotel location, we're grateful that you're here. Hopefully you grabbed a cup of coffee on your way in. Also, we have a very special service planned. We've got a wonderful guest speaker. And then yesterday, the men went out and we had 31 guys get together and we did some manly stuff. We shot things, all right? We didn't shoot each other, didn't take out any, you know, uh, grudges or anything, but we just had an amazing time. We had some winners and we had some losers, but everybody had a great time and it was a lot of fun. And I just want to let you know that for all the men, every second Saturday of the month, we're going to be doing something. We want to invite you back. And also today is especially great because we've opened up Ridge Kids all the way up. It's fully open. So we have the nursery in the conference room to my right, your left. And then on the second floor, all the Ridge Kids is up there. They have another conference room where it's all set up and we so we can be dialed in. Also, we were having a space issue last week. And you can see we, we, we had the children move and we added more seats and it looks like we're going to need to quickly go to another service to make more room uh, because it's getting warm in here. I see you fanning yourself and uh, that's good. We, we like that but uh, uh, we also want to do our best to uh, keep you comfortable but we're looking forward to what God's going to do this morning. It's a special treat to uh, have my dad in our services today so it's a blessing. Thank you uh, for honoring him and we're going to turn the service over to him in a minute, but just a little bit of backstory. My parents came to Santa Clara from Wisconsin, and you know why they left Wisconsin for California. I mean, that's just a given, right? I mean, you leave the frozen tundra from beautiful California in 1980, and uh, they started in Santa Clara, where they first started ministry. And then from there, they went to Morgan Hill, to Hollister, to Fresno. Fresno, they went to Simi Valley, from Simi Valley, went to Lancaster, from Lancaster. They're now in, um, I don't know, it's a leisure village, I don't know where, Camarillo. You know, they've just been all over, and they've been planting churches along the way. So you say, where did you get, where did you ever come up with the idea to plant a church? You can blame him, it's all his fault. And uh, no, 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 there's definitely uh, God's leading there, but it's a thrill to have my dad here, who has been in the ministry, I want to say, 40 years. 41, 40 years. So here's what's cool. I get to say this, but uh, you guys watch enough of the news to see how many pastors don't make it that long. To stay married, they raise seven kids that are all married, that now have 12 grandkids, 13. I can't keep track of all my nieces and nephews. 
uh, they'll tell you they didn't do everything perfect, but it was by the grace of God. And so it's exciting to have somebody who's just been faithful. So I think sometimes we, we, we value things that are visible, but yet faithfulness is something you can't value, but yet it's something that has the most value. When you just see somebody who just kept on going, it wasn't easy, just kept loving the Lord, following Him. And so right now, I want to welcome my dad. I want to turn the service over to you, dad, and come preach what God's put on your heart. And welcome one more time. Thanks so much. It is our honor to be here with you and uh, just some wonderful memories of Micaiah in those church planning endeavors. And uh, just as a child, uh, being in those rooms with special workers, you know, not having everything you want to have, starting in a hotel, I can remember him uh, as just a little kid running around uh, Ramada in there in Fresno, and uh, got a, just, just some fond memories of, of what God did through those years. Micaiah is a, a, a unique man of God. Uh, preach it. I was going to pull out the scripture on, on uh, really the, the name and where that came from in scripture. Some of you know the story. Have you ever preached a message on Micaiah? I almost did. I almost did. But it's a fun story. You look it up sometime. King Ahab and his wife Jezebel, pretty, pretty wicked people, right? And uh, God put a prophet in, uh, in that wicked era uh, by the name of Micaiah. And uh, Micaiah's dad is Imla, all right? And so this is Micaiah, who's, uh, whose dad is Imla. I thought, well, that's close enough, Ermla, Imla, you know, it's, 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 it's there. Uh, but Micaiah is known for being the guy that's going to go against the current. And uh, matter of fact, Ahab hated him so much, he said, this guy never tells me good. And uh, he, uh, he was a... He was a prophet of God that was willing to say the hard things, all right? And you've got to appreciate that. Uh, there's a lot of preachers today that just will not say the hard things. Matter of fact, uh, the king said, he never tells me good. He never tells me what I want to hear. He just tells me what God wants me to hear. And I tell you, that's the kind of man that every church needs. And I'm so glad for what God's doing here in this place I'm thankful for, I mentioned to the men yesterday, I'm thankful for a, a church planting spirit, but I'm thankful for people that gather around, you know, a preacher like this, and that just say, I want to be a part of uh, seeing God do a work. And um, it's a privilege for my wife, Victoria. Uh, she's uh, she's the, the hero in the whole story, all right? Uh, she's the one that's uh, uh, really given her life to raise these seven children. Uh, for the glory of God, and uh, it, it, uh, it's my thrill here to be in your church uh, together. Would you go with me to Ephesians, please, the book of Ephesians in our Bibles? And I want to just spend uh, the few moments we have looking at some very encouraging verses that I, I know you have uh, read at, at one time or another, and um, they have blessed my heart through, through the decades. As your pastor mentioned, we've been in uh, the Lord's service here since 1980, correct? And uh, just have been here in the state of California 
uh, God directed our heart to just be a part of that pioneering, going into an area, not knowing people, not having a building, uh, just trying to find a room somewhere that we could get started and uh, see God build his church. And so there's promises that come along with uh, churches like that, with preachers like that, and some of these promises are found here in Ephesians chapter number 3. And uh, the title of the message simply this morning is, He's Able. Uh, I'm not the builder of the church. Pastor Micaiah is not the builder of the church. Jesus said, I will build my church, and the gates of hell shall not prevail against it. Matter of fact, doing this long enough, I get a little nervous, uh, and I understand. We want to take possession of our church. That's my church, but we've got to remember it's not ours. It's the Lord's. It's his church. He's with us here this morning, the Bible says, where two or three are gathered together. He's the one in charge. And so everything that we do here at uh, Southridge has to be uh, God-focused, focused on the Lord Jesus Christ. And, and these promises are precious here. In the book of Ephesians, let me just share, uh, by way of introduction, just a little principle that, uh, that uh, God gave us along the way. And that is simply how important it is for us before we become the doers. We talked about doing yesterday to the men. But before we can become the doers, God's desiring here that we uh, would have a heart here to just want to know who Jesus Christ is. We want to get our lives so wrapped up in Christ and who he is uh, and know him. That's what Paul said, that I might know him. And, uh, and then we're going to see what's the follow-through, uh, all the doing. Matter of fact, the book of Ephesians is written in that, in that fashion. Uh, the first three chapters are all about what I have because of Jesus Christ. I, I mean, what the, what, all the blessings. Uh, chapter 1, I'm blessed in Jesus. I'm adopted. I'm accepted. Uh, I have an inheritance. It talks about God the Father and all the blessings I have because God the Father. All the blessings I have because of the Holy Spirit. And it's, it's wonderful. And so the whole first three chapters of this letter to the church of uh, Ephesus is simply, do you really know what you have in Jesus Christ? Do you really know how wonderful it is to be saved? Uh, to know that your sins are forgiven. To know that you're on your way to heaven. To know that Jesus Christ paid the price the songs we were singing about what jesus christ did and the victory that we have in christ and so we have that uh the who in the christian life it is the lord jesus christ and then in chapter number four we we talk about a walk with the lord so when i understand who he is then i can walk as he wants me to walk and so all through chapter number 4 and going into chapter 5, you have phrases like verse 1, walk worthy of the Lord. Uh, it talks about uh, in chapter uh, 4, verse 17, don't walk like the world walks. All right? This is a counter-culture movement, Christianity. I hope you understand that. The culture is going to go a certain way. And yet God's people, God says, no, we're, we're going another way. There's a broad road, there's a narrow road. One leads to destruction, one leads to life everlasting. And so in, in, a, in, a, in a place that God placed you here in Santa Clara County, it's not easy, is it, uh, to be counterculture? And yet the Bible says, listen, I want you to walk worthy of Jesus Christ. Don't ever forget 
that you're representing him. You're his ambassador here in San Jose. And that he desires for you not to walk uh, like, uh, like this world walks. He, he desires that you would walk in love. That's that next chapter, chapter 5, verse 1. Walk in love. I mean, I've got to walk here in this community. And people around me are going to, I mean, they're going to see Christ because they saw you and they saw Christ in you. And God's desiring for you to demonstrate that love of Christ. And uh, they're going to see Christ's love for them through your love. And, and so it's, I'm to walk in love. I'm to walk, the Bible says in verse 8 of that chapter, walk as children of light. All right? I'm not in darkness anymore. My eyes have been opened to the truth of the word of God. I'm to walk circumspectly, verse number 15. That's just walking actually so carefully as we move through life and all of this is our walk our walk my wealth in jesus what i have because i'm a child of god my walk this is practical this is how i live the christian life and then we all know chapter six that's the warfare right that's the battle uh you graduate here you get saved and you're growing and you're learning and uh you're you're, you're falling in love with jesus christ but now you're learning that with that uh, relationship with Christ, there's a certain walk that God wants me to walk. And ultimately, he wants to get you to a place where you're going to be a warrior for the Lord and put on the whole armor of God. So you see the progression? All of us are in a different place in our Christian life. Some of you are brand new baby Christians. Listen, fall in love with Jesus. Get to know Christ. Get, get wrapped up in who he is and what he's done for you. And then you're going to learn here that walk that God wants you to walk. And then you're going to learn how to be that warrior that God needs so desperately in this day and age. So, so the who, I always say, comes before the what. The who comes before the what. Remember when Saul of Tarshish got saved? Who art thou, Lord? And he said, well, I'm Jesus, who thou persecutest. The next thing that came out of Saul's mouth, now we know Apostle Paul, is what do you want me to do? Who are you? Who are you? Well, I'm Jesus. Well, what do you want? And that ought to be our spirit, our heart all the time. Lord, who are you? And then what do you want? Uh, we find uh, one of the greatest illustrations of that principle in uh, the Gentile that gave us, through the Holy Spirit, the book of Luke and Acts. Two great books. He was writing to one man, Theophilus. He introduces it to Theophilus at the beginning of Luke and beginning of Acts. He says, I'm going to give you the part two of the first discipleship manuals that were ever written in history. The first half was Luke. What's that all about? Well, it's all about Jesus from beginning in, from the birth uh, all the way through the crucifixion, the resurrection. So what, what was Luke emphasizing to Theophilus who may have been saved, may not have been saved, maybe he's just a seeker, Maybe he's wanting to know more. All Luke could do is say, listen, let me teach you about Jesus Christ. And, and, and he just hammered home, who is Jesus Christ? And then part two is, what does Christ want from you? And so the whole book of Acts now is laying out, oh, the church and its importance. Oh, wh what, what is my part in this church? And desiring in uh, uh, Theophilus' life to go from now I'm saved to now I want to be serving Christ uh, in, in the manner that he wants me to serve him. 
So all, all of these are our backdrop here to these two verses we're going to look at this morning. And I just want you to keep, hang on to that nugget here. All right, the who comes before the what. And uh, if you're so, you know, thank God for opportunities to serve God and you, you can be saved one second and serve God. All right, understand that. There are things that you can do. But don't ever neglect. I mean, my number one job is I've got to learn about Jesus Christ and let this church, I mean, disciple you, help you, teach you. Uh, let the word of God here uh, just, uh, uh, I mean, really take hold of your hearts and your minds. So let's go to these two verses here today and uh, ask God to help us here, just encourage us. Just last two verses of chapter 3, the Bible says, Now unto him that is able to do exceedingly, abundantly, above all that we ask or think, according to the power that worketh in us, unto him be glory in the church by Christ Jesus throughout all ages, world without end. Thank you, Lord, for our time together here this morning. I pray that you would be able to help us as we seek to allow your word to penetrate our minds, penetrate our hearts. God, that we would walk out of the service recognizing that you have ministered to us through your holy word. Thank you for Pastor Micaiah. Thank you for Jane, for the children. Uh, Lord, for what you're doing in this place, bless them richly. Oh, God, I pray that you would just uh, allow the windows of heaven to be opened upon this ministry, and they would see that you are the God that's able to do exceedingly abundantly above all that they've ever asked or think. And we claim that here for them this morning. I pray it in Jesus' name. Amen. All right, first couple I'm going to go through really fast so I can park a little bit on the, the last thought. But uh, the first principle here in verse number 20 is simply this. The church's greatest provision. What has God given Southgate Church? The greatest provision. You know, as a church planner, as a church planner, you're thinking, oh, I'm going to need money, or I'm going to need a building, or I'm going to need land, or I'm going to need this. I'm going to need people. You come into an area, you don't know anyone. I mean, there's all kinds of things on your checklist. i got to have this and this and this and this and this. Back up a little bit. You know what we need more than anything? We need God. Amen. Amen. We need God. And that's the provision. Uh, a church's greatest provision unto him that is able. We have so many stories through the years of what God had to do. He has to show up in a church plan. He has to show up. I can't rely here on the reality that I, oh, I've got this whole congregation sitting for me, and I got this building, and I got this land, and I got all this money in the bank. No. When you come into a city as a church planter, a pioneer, you don't have any of that. Uh, one of the church plants that uh, Micaiah was uh, a part of there in Fresno, I tell you, they're just little kids, and they, they don't know any better. But our, our first service in that hotel you know, we were so excited when a trucker showed up for our, our, our little Sunday uh, Bible study uh, there at that 10 o'clock hour. And it was so exciting. I mean, there I am leading the music, my wife uh, on the piano. Um, I'm, uh, I'm so thrilled. This is our very first Sunday in Fresno, and a truck driver showed up. And, of course, our kids are so friendly, right? Uh, they, they, they surround this guy. And uh, I got some on one side and some on the other side. And, 
And, uh, uh, you know, by the time I got done with Sunday school, uh, you know, I, I just <laughs> greeting this guy and say, boy, in just a couple minutes, I'm sure more people are going to come. And uh, we're going to have our morning worship service. And uh, he said, okay, okay, that sounds good. And uh, he walked out the back. He went to, uh, I don't know, maybe uh, it was an art display in another room in the hotel. Uh, and uh, uh, we never saw him again. And, uh, and yet, thankfully, in the morning service, five other people showed up. It's still strange. I got, you know, a, a nine-year-old and seven-year-old that are our ushers for our offering. And I'm leading. I, I mean, it was just unbelievable. But God built this church. God built this church. And, and it doesn't matter how humble it is when you get started. Uh, God is in the business of blessing in some unique ways. And he will provide. In that particular hotel, we came from Fresno. We didn't have, uh, I'm sorry, we came from uh, here in uh, Morgan Hill. We sold our home. We didn't have any support financially on a monthly basis from any other churches. We actually took uh, the funds that we had from that sale of that home, and I said, God, I'm just going to spend it right now, six months ahead in rent, and I, I paid every bill I could in, in, in ahead, and I said, God, you've got to do it. I can't. Uh, our kids lived on, I don't know, water and rice, uh, you know, in those early days. Uh, we, just even to, to get a hotel room like this, uh, it was like, uh, Lord, how do we pay? It, it, it sounds like such a small amount now, $120 a week. How are we going to do that? I remember going to the manager and, uh, and uh, he gave me the contract. I said, boy, that's almost $500 a month. And on five Sundays in a month, boy, that's really expensive. How are we going to do this? But I, I, I said, okay, uh, you know, is there anything you can do for us? And he said, well, I can do you for $90. And I thought, hallelujah. Praise God, God's working. And uh, he sent over a bunch of contracts to me. They were $90. And I turned around and, and uh, I looked at them and, and I was about to sign them. And instead of 90, it said 60. Well, I had that pen in my hand. I thought, I know we agreed for 90, but I sure want to sign this really bad right now. You know, for 60 bucks, I'd like to buy cereal to go along with the rice and the, and, and the water. And, and uh, I got my, you know, got my pen there, and the Holy Spirit just said, Mark, don't do it. You agreed to 90. And so I took these contracts, a whole six months' worth, and I took them back here to the manager, and I said, you made a big mistake. And I, I said, we had agreed for 90 at a discount, and, uh, and uh, you put $60. And he looked at me, and he said, you are right. I made a mistake. And he took out his pen, and he started writing for a, a while, and then he handed it back to me, and he crossed out 60, and he put 40. <laughs> what, I, what I didn't know was that manager who was just there for six months had just recently been saved. Somebody led him to Christ in, in, uh, on the ship, uh, St. Mary's down there in Long Beach, and he got baptized in the boiler room, and, and he was just moved there as a baby Christian, and he was so excited about having a church there. We were only there six months before God gave us our first 10-acre property. I mean, God allowed that to just go crazy in those first six months, but God put him there for us. Let me just tell you, God does things for all of us. And, and, and he is the one that is our provision. He's the one here that can move the pieces, right? He can take this even baby Christian and say, hey, I need you as a manager of a hotel over here because I've got this 
pastor and his family and they're coming on in and, and, and they don't have anything and, 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 and you're going to be the means by which they're going to be able to have a place for six months to meet. God was our provision. That's all we needed. And we've seen that step after step after step. Number two, not only is he our provision, but notice at verse 20, now to him that is able to do exceedingly abundantly above. Uh, that uh, word there, abundant, abundantly, is simply in an overflowing fashion. That, that God's going to do it, and he's going to do it, I mean, in ways that you just cannot comprehend. Oh, there's so many stories in church planning that it's so fun, and God just shows up and does things. I've, I've been a part of uh, uh, experiences here where we're down to nothing, and and, uh, and you know, you got your little staff around you and you're trying to figure out how you're going to pay things and in through the mail, uh, you know, here's a, here's a check for $100,000 from somebody that only came to the church one time and you're going, well, that'll get us through a little bit. And, uh, you know, other things that God did uh, on that first church plan, I can remember we needed a septic for our next door property. God started to allow us to purchase land there in Fresno and, and uh, one of the properties, a septic caved in and, and the man came out, and I knew it wasn't going to be cheap. And, and uh, at that particular time, it was a, a little rough. And uh, he went out, and I said, well, just tell me what the bill is. And I, I, you know, I knew it was going to be about four or $5,000 for us at that time. And he said, don't worry about it. I took care of it. Things like that all the time. All the time that God's moving. All the time he's doing exceedingly abundantly above. So we have a church's greatest provision is God himself... The church's precious promise. He's going to do exceedingly abundantly above. That's his promise. That's from God. He's saying, listen, I am able here to do more than you can ever imagine I can do. And, uh, and we've just got to trust him through it all. Matter of fact, that third principle is the church's call to prayer. What does he say? Abundantly above all that we ask. Or we think, listen, especially in these early days, you've got to just keep praying. You don't know what the next step is, but God already does. You don't know what God can do in, in working on people's hearts, what God can provide as only God can, but you've got to ask for it. The Bible says you don't have it because you don't ask for it. And, uh, and, and, and we've got to be a praying people. Listen, Pentecost didn't happen just because of Pentecost. It happened because... God's people went to prayer. And they had that 10-day prayer meeting. And then God opened up the windows of heaven. And so, what do we have? We have the church's greatest provision, a precious promise. He's going to do exceedingly abundantly above. The church's call to prayer. All that we can ask or think. Now, I know your pastor, and he can think really big. All right? He's got a huge vision. But God says, my goodness and my uh, abundance is bigger than even his vision. Above what you can ask or think. I don't know if I've ever been around a, a pastor that thinks as big as your pastor thinks. I mean, it is just something. And, and yet, I, I, I'm, I'm a different temperament. I mean, God's blessing our church, and I'm so glad for it. And he's given us a 18,000 square feet uh, building there in Simi Valley. And it's a miracle how we got into it. Uh, a portion of it, the man gave back to us for a uh, dollar a month. Uh, I mean, this is Southern California real estate. 
I mean, God is able to do some pretty amazing things, and we're thankful for it. And then this spring, in the middle of COVID, the guys got together and they said, listen, we need to, we need to get a new auditorium space built out. And I'm thinking in my mind, but it's COVID. You know, uh, what are you guys thinking? And uh, they said, no, Pastor, we think we can do it. And I, I, I said, okay, show me, your, show me your plan. Tell me what you, uh, what, what you want to accomplish. And they shared with me what they wanted to do. And I said, well, uh, what's the time uh, table here for this? They, and this is four weeks before Easter. And I said, we'd like to have done it on Easter. I said, are you kidding me? And uh, I said, well, I, God put it on your heart. Let's go. Let's move. Let's do it. Easter Sunday morning, we're in our new auditorium. And it was a real blessing, and and uh, and uh, the, the the church men said, "Listen, let's let's just let's just let God be glorified in the midst of COVID." And uh, we're thinking people are coming back, and we need a new space, and so we're going to develop it. Uh, listen, that was through answer prayer, and uh, God is able to do better than we can ask or that we can think. All right, number four, a church's source of power, and always remember this. Look at what it says in verse twenty. Now unto him that is able to do exceedingly abundantly above all that we ask or think according to the power that worketh in us. The church's source of power. It's God's power. It's God that has to work. It's God that is going to do it. God can do the impossible. I'm thinking about that story here in the Gospel of Luke. I think it's chapter 17 where Jesus is talking about, uh, you know, it's harder for a camel to go through the eye of a needle than for a rich man to be saved. And then the disciples turn to Jesus and say, well, then who can be saved? And then we have, well, with God, all things are what? Possible. I thought that was so interesting here because uh, that's actually chapter 18 of Luke. And Jesus taught through the whole chapter on prayer and answering the prayer. And then the first thing that happens in chapter 19, verse 1, is they meet a rich man by the name of Zacchaeus who was up in a tree. And Jesus just went ahead and did a wonderful object lesson. And I just told you how hard it is. And then you said, well, then it's impossible. And then Jesus said, yeah, but with me, all things are possible. And then they take a little walk, and they're walking by a sycamore tree, and they see this little guy up there, and he says, Zacchaeus, listen, I'm coming to your house today. And if you read the text, you see that Zacchaeus got saved. And verse 1 says he was very rich. All right, he wasn't just an ordinary, run-of-the-mill rich guy. The Bible says he was very rich. What's God saying? I can do anything. I can do the there's nothing too hard for me. It's our thinking limits us because we feel like in our own resources, this is all we can accomplish. But God's working here uh, at a totally different level than you and I are. And he can do things that we can't even comprehend. And by the way, it's all of his power. You got a trial, trouble here today? Listen, he's got, he's got the power to calm the sea. You're in the boat with the disciples and you think you're going to die? And here comes Jesus walking on your storm. Yeah. And he's able to say, peace be still. That's God. That's what he can do. So we have a provision unto him that is able, the promise to do exceedingly abundantly above the prayer, all that we ask or think. 
the power, according to the power that worketh in us. And then lastly, let's get a hold of this. Number five, a church's highest priority. And, and I believe this with all my heart. The more I minister and the more I'm in the word of God, the more I understand that if we keep the priority right in the local church, God can do those exceedingly abundantly above all kind of things. You say, well, what's that priority? It's really the motive for it all, and it's found in this last verse. Verse 21. Unto him be glory in the church by Christ Jesus throughout all ages. That includes this one right here, right? Throughout all ages, world without him. What's it all about? It's all about God's glory. And uh, that's the master purpose of life. The heavens declare the glory of God. Psalm 19, verse number 1. And the firmament showeth his handiwork. Belshazzar, Nebuchadnezzar, they all tried here uh, to uh, glorify themselves. And they robbed God of his rightful glory. And God had to deal with him. Uh, remember Herod in the New Testament, Acts chapter 12, verse 23. And immediately the angel of the Lord smote him. He was a great orator a great speaker, and, and the angel of the Lord smote him. Why? Because he gave not God the glory. Listen, when God does those exceedingly, abundantly, above all that you could ask or think, you better give God the glory for it. You better say, God did that. Don't you take credit. You just say, no, 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 that's not, that's not because of us. That's not because Southgate is a, a great, or Southridge is a great church. Listen, you, forgive me. I'm I'm Micaiah Senior, all right, and I'm 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 having my senior moments. The Bible goes on and tells us all through Scripture that it's all about God's glory. You see, God is glory. Acts chapter seven, verse two, the God of glory. Isaiah six, verse three, holy, holy, holy is the Lord God Almighty. The whole earth is full of His glory. John 1.14, John revealed, We beheld his glory, the glory as of the only begotten of the Father, full of grace and truth. You go to the high priestly prayer of John 17 in the garden. Jesus is sweating great drops of tears. He's saying, Lord, let this cup pass. But you read the actual prayer, and it's all about, oh, to have the glory that I once had with you. And it was all about that glory of Almighty God. Why are we to glorify God? He, he created us. Isaiah 43, 7. Even everyone that is called by my name, for I have created him for my glory. You are here on planet Earth today because he created you to glorify him. I have a hard time with Christians that I mean, have, have these suicidal thoughts. They have lost touch with the reality of God made you and God put you here and God will take you out. You don't have to help him. You know, uh, Elijah kind of had that syndrome a little bit, didn't he? Lord, I want to die. And I know we feel like that sometimes when things are going really, really bad. And yet if you un understand this one principle, no, but I'm here to glorify him. That's why God created me. He's worthy, Revelation 4.11. Thou art worthy, O Lord, to receive glory and honor and power. For thou hast created all things, and for thy pleasure they are and were created. 
Psalm 96, verse 8, Give unto the Lord the glory due His name. Ephesians 1, 12, That we should be to the praise of His glory who first trusted in Christ. How do you glorify God? Number one, if you're here and you don't know Jesus Christ as your Savior, get saved. That's where it starts. Uh, Philippians 2, verse number 11, And that every tongue should confess that Jesus Christ is Lord. Why? To the glory of God the Father. You know, when you get saved, that gives glory to God. When God uses you to see someone else come to Christ, God gets glory for that. We glorify God through salvation. We glorify God when we take steps of faith. Your pastor is going to, through the the leadership of the Holy Spirit in his life, and as uh, God gives him clarity, he's going to lead the church. And and some of it's going to be uncomfortable because it's huge as far as steps of faith. You know, Moses is uh, there uh, at the Red Sea and everybody's wondering how in the world are we going to get ourselves out of this mess here comes Pharaoh behind us we're all on this beach can't go back can't go forward can't go right can't go left uh, the, the scripture tells us in Exodus that the wilderness harnessed them in they're trapped there's no they're like in a box canyon there's no way out and Moses said stand still and see the salvation of the Lord and then let God do it let God do it. Well, we have some verses here that encourage us along that way as far as we glorify God through salvation, but through this element of faith. Romans 4.20, He staggered not at the promise of God through unbelief, but was strong in faith, get this, giving glory to God. Listen, just believe God. Just believe God. Why? Because it glorifies God. God gets great glory when when he's got to show up. You know, when we get to do it in our own strength, then we get the glory. But when God has to show up, God gets all the glory. I I just kind of visualize the children of Israel going through, you know, on dry ground and water on both sides. You ever put yourself in some of those stories? And, uh, you know, I see the little kid walking over to the edge and, you know, grabbing, you know, some fish and whatever. But they're walking through on dry land and, I'm sure they're screaming and yelling and hollering and praise God. Look at what God's doing. We could not find a way of escape, but he made a way of escape. All right, we glorify God through what else? Praise. Psalm 50, verse 23. Whosoever offereth praise glorifieth me. Do you see it? Here, Ephesians tells us, unto him be glory in the church. What's this church all about? It's all about bringing glory here to our great God. From the moment we get saved, we have opportunities. I I, I mean to walk by faith, to praise our God. We glorify God through prayer. John 14, 13. And whatsoever ye shall ask in my name, that will I do, that the Father may be glorified in the Son. You know, every time you go to prayer and God answers prayer, God says, I love that. Because you know that only God can do it. And you know, God gets glory. He answers your prayer. He gets glory for it. That's how it should be. Uh, We pray, and that glorifies God. We glorify God when we shine brightly as his children. Matthew 5, 16. Let your light so shine before men that they may see your good works. Why? 
and glorify your Father which is in heaven. Folks, it's all over the Scripture. It's everywhere you look. You and I are here for the glory of God. The Bible goes on here and tells us in John 15, verse 8, Here it is, my Father glorified, that you bear much fruit. I mean, I heard for a long time that, you know, keep the main thing the main thing, and that is reaching people for Christ, and that really sounds good, but you, you have to attach it to something bigger than that. And, and the bigger thing is God's glory. That's the bigger thing. God's glory is the bigger thing. Why do we want to reach people in the San Jose area? Why? Because God gets glory for it. Every time someone comes to trust Jesus Christ as their Savior again, God gets the glory. So we glorify God when we have a heart to reach the lost. We glorify God when we suffer. Isaiah 24, 15, Wherefore glorify ye the Lord in the fires. In John 11, Jesus is talking about his good friend Lazarus that he knows just died. And he said, listen, it's all about God's glory. That's why he's sick. I think our culture today because of this COVID thing is so fixated on their health they don't realize that you know God sometimes gives us sickness so that he can show up and he gets glory for it I mean, we, better, we better be careful that we don't just again fall in line with the whole group think and we get to the place that we are so terrified why? I just heard this morning again, you do know that only 1% of, of, of folks, less than 1% of folks that actually get COVID would die from COVID. But that's not, that's not the story you're getting. That's not the narrative you're getting. You're meant to be terrified. You're meant to live your life in fear. Listen, God's not the author of fear. That's coming from somewhere else. And, and we have just got to realize that, hey, I've got to live for the glory of God. I've got to live here so that God can be glorified. We glorify God when we suffer. John 21, 18, 19. This spake he signifying by what death he should glorify God. That's an amazing thing. Jesus is talking about his own death. And he says, listen, God's going to get glory out of this. Okay? And then the last thing, we glorify God when we are all in the spirit of unity. Romans 15 the Bible says that we may with one mind and one mouth glorify God. All these things that we do as a local church, we all work together for one purpose, and that is so that God gets the ultimate glory. Glory in the church by Christ Jesus throughout all ages, the world without end. Let's pray. Thank you, God, for your word, for allowing us to let focus on a couple of these wonderful promises here today. And I pray, Lord, first of all, if there's someone here that's not saved, that they would realize that that's the first way they can bring you glory. That every knee should bow and every tongue should confess that Jesus Christ is Lord to the glory of God the Father. Lord, that today would be that day of salvation. Lord, I want to pray for Christians here in whatever stage of life you've placed us, oh, I pray that we would continue to develop this deep relationship with you so that we can not just enjoy 
all the wealth that we have in Christ Jesus, but then we can walk like you need for us to walk in this world so you can ultimately use us as warriors with armor on. God, I ask that as we think of this closing thought of your glory, as you wrote the church at Corinth, whether you eat or drink or whatever you do, do all to the glory of God. Lord, that we would remember that truth. Help us now to do what you need for us to do. In Jesus' name, amen. Pastor Let's all stand as we prepare our hearts for a time of invitation. When you've heard the word of God preached and spoken, it's up to us to respond to what we've heard. And so, with heads bowed and eyes closed, I want to open up that invitation. Maybe there's somebody here, you're, you're far from God. And maybe you don't know him. Maybe today you say, I want to give my life to Christ. And we want to make an opportunity where you say, I want to give my life to Christ. I want to repent of my sin. And I want to receive the forgiveness of salvation. Is that you here? You would just slip up a hand. Can I pray for you? Anybody here? We'd love to talk with you. If there is, come see me after the service. I'd love to pray with you. But maybe you were convicted like I was convicted that if God's supposed to get glory in the church, what about in my life? We teach our children a song, in my life, Lord, be glorified. In my life, be glorified. I think too often we, we say, yeah, God needs to, with the church, everything needs to be whole and everything needs to be right, but then we go into our own homes. And what about our homes? Is, is God glorified in our homes, and our life? Is God getting glory in our own lives? And maybe you want to just pray because our church is not going to see the glory of God in the church if we're not living in our life. I read this morning in my devotion how, how King Hezekiah cleaned the temple. It took him 16 days to clean out all the rubbish, clean out all the trash. Maybe in our own heart, because we are the temple of God. You know that. You're the temple. And when we come to church, it's a time where we say, God, cleanse your temple. Cleanse my life so that you can be glorified in my life. So right now, with heads bowed and eyes closed, maybe you want to pray here at the front, or maybe you want to turn your seat into an altar. But right now, as the worship team leads us in one last song of worship, I want to invite you to either come and say, Lord, I want you to be glorified in my life. So right now, let me pray, and then the worship team will lead us in one final song. Heavenly Father. I pray that you would be glorified in our lives. I pray that you would get glory in the church. And I pray, Father, that we would see people saved by the hundreds and thousands. I pray that we would do great things for you. But ultimately, may all the things that we want to do for you, may they, motive behind it, may they be because we have this love of your glory that we want to see you glorified. We pray now that you would work in a mighty way. We ask this in Jesus' name. We hope you were encouraged by today's message from Pastor Micaiah. If it was a blessing to you, don't forget to share it with a friend or family member this week. If you have any questions, we'd love to hear them. Get in touch with us by visiting SouthridgeSanJose.com slash connect. Again, that's SouthridgeSanJose.com slash connect.